She don't need no father. Exactly. She got a daddy. (laughs) 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 I made the worst joke. Bravo. (laughs) That was great. episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm M. Hi, I'm S. I'm Seth. And this week we read The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. And boy, was it a struggle to get to this point. <laughs> did we or did we not try out like a million five books? books? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And we finally, finally settled on one that we all liked because... We've been in and out of slumps, I feel like, for the past month. Well, which, it's weird because it's slumps as far as the podcast goes, but not in our own separate reading. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm reading just fine on my own, but (laughs) when it comes to picking a book for the podcast, because how it works is that we have, like, a list of books we want to read, um, but then some of them are very long and we're very busy, so now is not the time, and then, you know, sometimes one of us is not in the mood because... Of course, we had to all be mood readers because that just makes it easier for us. So, anywho, Tessa Dare did it with the Duchess deal. Seth, <laughs> what is this book about? Hold on, but also this is S's first historical romance on the podcast. Uh, actually, well, yes, and it's Baby's second historical romance ever. Ooh! Yeah. For reals, it is. Yeah. So that I've actually finished. Proud of her. I'm so proud. This is when you insert the clap. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here we we have our own sound effect because <laughs> okay. we're cheap. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, it's his second ever historical romance. So I'm curious to see what that means for her. Yes, I um, am as well. I'm kind of nervous oh. with her face already, but I mean, should be on this episode. Actually, can I just say first, because we never mention it at the beginning of the episode, but like, you know, if you want to follow us, give us a little review on any podcast platform where you can do so. Please do. It helps us a ton to just know what you guys like, what you want to hear. Just show the podcast some support and uh, give us a little like, a little comment, a little tweet. We love them. (laughs) Keep them coming. Okay, now, okay. what is this book about, Seth? <laughs> um, so this book um, starts off with a bang. Um, we have Emma, who is a seamstress, storming into our male lead, Ashbury. Um, she storms into his library, and um, literally, she's uh, dressed as a bride. Like, she is a bride right now. Um, she's wearing the dress of his ex fiance, who he was supposed to be marrying sometime soon. Um, Emma has not been paid for her labors um, on the dress, so she thought, let me make a statement, let me walk in, um, and literally, you know, take everyone's attention, because, like, this dress apparently was atrocious, 
Um, what does what does that say about Emma as a seamstress? Like, was the dress ugly because she's a bad seamstress, or because the what the lady ordered was just plain ugly? What the what his ex fiance ordered apparently was so gaudy and so ugly that like it was just over the top. And like I think he even noticed like the stitching was done really well, and like everything else was like it would have been a like you know. It would have been an okay dress if, like, everything else wasn't, you know... If fashion didn't vomit on the dress, I think, you know, it would have been an okay dress. <laughs> but anyways, um, we see Ashbury as, like, someone that's, like, scarred. Like, half of his body is scarred. Um, he has burns everywhere, twisted scarring. Um, he literally is someone's nightmare, I guess one could say. But Emma doesn't even, like, think twice. She just bombards him and, like, just demands that she gets paid for her labors. And then he decides, you know what? I've been looking for a wife. He literally just wrote it to, I think, his butler. And then he's like, what the heck? What is this? What did the gods give me? <laughs> and then and then he literally just proposes marriage to her. And he's like, yeah, we'll get married. Like, you are a vicar's daughter. So we'll get married. And then she's Only like, Only in a romance novel. <laughs> Only in a historical Only. romance yeah. novel would that happen. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else happens? Oh, right. So she basically denies it at first. She's like, nah, I don't want to get married. I'll take my two pounds and go. And then so she leaves <laughs> and then he finds her again. Um, and then she decides, you know what? My friend Davina, who she also, I think she mends her clothes. Like she alters her clothes. She's another lady, I believe, of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's pregnant. She's in a delicate situation <laughs> and she's not married. Um, so obviously, you know, being an unmarried woman who's pregnant obviously does not roll with the London ton. Um, so she needs to find a way to have her baby in secret. And so that pushes Emma to accept Ashbury's proposal of being his duchess um, so that she apparently he's going to give her a house in the country after she becomes pregnant. Um, and that way she can hide Davina there. But obviously. We know that's not the case. Things happen, and the whole her whole mission in this marriage is to get pregnant and have his heir. But during that time, they end up forming feelings for each other and breaking barriers. And the story is a uh, is full of a lot of things breaking all the rules, <laughs> which we love to see. Yes, of course. What did you guys think of this book? Let's start with us. No. As we always do. Yes, us. I'm just so curious about her opinion. Okay, so. I didn't have high hopes in the beginning. Really? I didn't think I was going to like it. Yeah. And it kind of started, it did take a little while for me to get, you know, into it. Mm -hmm. But I think about maybe, I want to say like 40%. I I was like, I was into it. Um, I ended up loving it. <gasps> really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you going to read the other ones? I think so. The other one, it's I actually went into the, like on Goodreads and like checked out the next book yeah. to see who it was, and it's that um, I guess they were in the library, the Alexandra, and then that mysterious guy. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to maybe starting the next book. Okay, the second yeah, one because um, I've read them all. I'm waiting for the last one. What's it? Which is Nicola. Um, so the second one was really good. I remember really liking it, and the third one I also really liked. Um, so yeah. Which one is the one with the goat? Because I think that's a lot of people's favorite. <laughs> that's, um, book three. Wait, okay. with the goat? Yeah, yeah, she has like a pet goat. Like, who? who is it? Wh what's her name? There is um, Alex. There's Nicola. 
Nicola, and what was the other one's name? Pe- Penny? No. Yeah, Penny. So there's Penny. Yeah, Penny is the one with the animals. Okay. Anyway, what about you, Seth? This was a reread for you. It was a reread, and I enjoyed it again the second time around. I still laughed at the jokes. I'm still, like, you know, enraptured with the story. I don't know. I just loved it. I love this book. <laughs> I just think it's a fun ride. It's a very light book. Like, I feel like every book, is every book that we read for the podcast, like, a reread for you, Seth? No. Has there been one? Uh, not Beast of Bezik, and then that was the first one. Kiss of Steel wasn't. And then yeah, that wasn't. Heart of Iron wasn't. No. Oh, and, That's it. And, uh, Slow Heat, right? Yeah. Slow, Slow Heat was a reread, though. It was oh, a reread for all of us. Yeah. Oh, damn. Damn. <laughs> oh my gosh. Poor Sam. Okay. She's, like, she's like the resident rereader here. <laughs> this yeah. wasn't planned, but it seems like that's the format. Like, we need Seth to find... reads the books. <laughs> Fine. Okay, how about the next one? We'll try to make an order. Nope, the next one probably will be a reread, too. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you get to visit old favorites. All right, go ahead, Marge. How did you like it, Marge? I liked it. Okay, here's the deal with me and Tessa Dare. Yes, please give everyone I, the rundown. I am not a big Tessa Dare fan. I find that I struggle, especially with her humor. It's just not really a humor that I connect with mm-hmm. necessarily. I feel like you have to go into this series especially because I remember reading another series of hers that wasn't like this. Spindle Cove? But I feel like you have... uh, Yeah. Mm. But I feel like you have to go into this series thinking of it as a modern rom-com set in the 1800s. Yeah. It's ridiculously modern in like the ideas in the humor in everything like it just so if you go into it expecting that and not thinking of it as your regular historical romance then it makes the experience a lot better I agree I I honestly feel like I've been saying this like Tessa Dare is like a modern day love story written in the 1800s um because like even the terminology she uses is modern like a lot of things are modern in her books, but I mean, like you said, you got to look past it. If you're going in for, like, historically accurate, then Tessa Dare won't be for you. Um, like, even at the end of the book, she talks about badminton, and, like, that wasn't really a term back then. Um, but she decided to use it in the series because it was invented by a duke, apparently. But she's like, I'll just make it my duke that invented it because it was called something else. And it's just, she just decided to include badminton in the story. <laughs> I didn't know that. Fun fact. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but S and I kind of talked about this before starting the the recording, which was the audiobook. Yeah. Because we both, in part, did the audiobook. And this narrator... Okay. If you've listened to our Beast of Bezik episode... I would say that the same criticism that I had about that narrator is also true for this one in the sense that she made the guy sound overly funny and ridiculous instead of hot. Oh. And so lines that I know I was like, oh, in the book, this would have been hot and like intense. But like the way that she says it, you're like, it's actually funny. (laughs) 
so I did have that issue of of the narrator the narrator not being great in my opinion, but you know she she was funny. She, yeah. she was funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so overall enjoyed it. Uh, don't think it's my kind of humor, but I would still be open to continuing on with the series, I think. Okay, because I did see that you gave it a four out of five, and I'm like, that's yeah. considerably really good for M's rating. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I enjoyed myself. There's not much of a plot in this book. Yeah. Like, I feel like that has to be said. This book has no plot whatsoever. Like, it's just the characters being together in a room, and somehow that that's enough for a whole book, which the book is fairly short, so I guess maybe that justifies that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you feel about the characters? How did you feel? Uh? Silence. No, no. <laughs> okay. I just don't want to, like, take over the whole episode. <laughs> you can't, Seb. Well, we're just going to move on then if no one has to say. Okay. <laughs> Mara, just something I learned in teacher's college. It's called the awkward silence until someone decides to talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay, as are you going to go? Yes. Speak. I'll go. Okay. So your question was, how were the, how did we like the characters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like them. Um, I really love what was her name, Emma. I really yeah, love yeah. Emma. I feel like she was really strong. Um, and then I think for the guy, it took me a little while to like, you know, warm up to him, but I liked him. By the end of it, by the end of it, I loved him. Yeah, so. I think for these characters, like Emma was great from the get go. Um. Ash, I think a little bit in the beginning, he was like, I think it was, you know, his personality has been very closed off and like, he just wasn't willing to accept anyone into his life. So like, I think his, his own mentality and like his comments towards Emma were, were a little bit sexist. And like, I wasn't really feeling his comments. But like, as the story progressed, he became like a better person and a better man because he finally let someone in. Um, Yeah, so like, I think at the beginning, he was rubbing me a little bit of the wrong way. But I mean, I liked I liked both characters. How did you feel about the fact that he really didn't want her to continue being a seamstress and doing what she loves? I had an issue with that. Like, yeah. I understand that that's probably the most realistic plot point in this novel is the fact that the Duke would say to his Duchess, absolutely not. <laughs> Your job is to look pretty and like yeah, that's you know, like one of the carry your name, but like of. it's not to be you know creating dresses for other people. But I was kind of like, you asshole! Like she actually loves this. Yeah, and, like, you're over there playing badminton and she can't fucking make dresses. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was mad. Like, how dare you? I mean, but she kind of did, like did continue with her passion, yeah, but like he did say no a couple times, and I was yeah. like. Once was enough, sir. Once was too many times. <laughs> I think for his character at that point, I don't think he fully understood what it meant for her to be like mm-hmm. a seamstress because all he saw were the yeah. calluses on her hands. Her saying that like she can't even read for like an hour in the evening because her eyes they can't focus because she's been like a seamstress for so long. So I think he looks at like the things she's lost and like the trouble she's gone through. Um, he also obviously... We find out that, oh gosh, I can't speak. <laughs> we found out that Emma um, at 16 was thrown out from her house, from her, her father, because she, um, you know, had sex with another person in the, I guess, the village area, the country. And yeah, she was thrown out. And then because of that situation, she was forced into 
like a job, like a laborous job. And he just saw it like all of that and like what she's been through. And like, he doesn't want her to feel like she has to do it. I don't think he knew at that point that it was her passion. And like, it was something she really, really enjoyed doing. So I think, I don't know. I think like, I didn't like that comment either. And I was like, dude, don't do that. Don't say that. (laughs) I think I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite right now. Because part of like, something I really liked about Ash and his personality was his quickness to say no. Like, he's just yeah. like, no. <laughs> and there's no explanation whatsoever. Like, if he doesn't like something, it's just no, and that's it. Like, yeah. it's just, I thought that was really funny. Like, I liked that about him and how it kind of stayed that way. Like, that's just how he is. It's just like, no, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the only one who can get him to change his mind was Emma. Like, I remember yes, him saying, like, of course. no, no, I'm not going out. I'm not going to Penny's house. Like, I'm not going. And the next thing you know, it jumps next to scene. him at the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite things. Like, I love seeing it in movies. But, like, I think Tessa Dare does such a good job of making me feel like I'm in a movie. But, like, in book format. Yeah. Oh, no. I love when that happens in a book where the hero is just, like, absolutely not. I would never do that. Stop asking me about it and then there's a the jump thing. scene like a, a jump cut and then it's like him doing the damn the damn thing he just said he wouldn't do and yeah. i'm like applause uh, <laughs> yeah, you just know that alpha was uh is fully at the feet of his lady yeah by that point oh, yes. he's just i, I don't want to say the, the word is it Pussy whip, pussy whip, pussy whip. Is it pussy whip? Pussy whip, yeah. Whip? Oh yeah, <laughs> this boy was pussy whipped before like the book even started. I'm telling you. Yeah, I can see that. But oh, question: yes. Now that we're talking about you know being whipped, how did you guys feel about like the <laughs> what? beginning of their relationship? Did we read the same book? <laughs> Why are you talking about whips? Not whipped. I meant like in the terms of like. The sexual nature. Oh, this book was hot. It really was. I was surprised. Okay. I wasn't expecting yeah. the sex to be this Tessa hot. Tessa Dare writes good smut. Yes, and great dirty talk. How did you feel about the beginning of the relationship? Like, night one. And then... It was awkward. <laughs> that was funny. And then night two. And then finally night three. Because he thinks she's <laughs> a virgin. And she's like, actually, no. And I love you know- that she says so afterwards. Yeah. Like, actually, no, and he's like, wait, what? Okay, I'm, I'm talking about the progression. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, night one, um, it's pitch black. He, like, outed all the fires, and this boy, like, stubs his toe and then, like, falls onto the bed, and then it was just a nightmare. And then night two, the cat. he got attacked by breeches. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he's there holding, like, his, you know, his family jewels and, like, just really hoping that they don't get scratched up because he's like, it's the only working part of my body. Like, it cannot leave me. I love when he explains um the morning he woke up after what happened to him like when he when like he caught fire essentially because something exploded and whatever and he's like he says the first thing I grabbed was my my jewels (laughs) my family jewels and he was like they're still there it's fine I can live (laughs) like that's all that matters I won't die (laughs) that's such a man thing to think about but I mean yeah I guess I mean, doesn't she say at one point that, like, Ash is just too stubborn to give in to death? Like, he's just like, absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, the sex scenes were very hot. The progression was hilarious. Uh, That scene, though, on the wall, I was like, whoop. 
Okay, Miss Tessa Dare, I hear you. Oh, yeah. When she's on, was she like trying to pick up a book on the shelf in the library? Is that the scene uh, you're talking about? Is it? I don't know. Like, he just goes. There are so many scenes. Yeah, there's a like, lot of sex scenes when they're like. Actually. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a couple scenes. Uh, I don't know. It's just like she's. Oh, and then I think my, I think my favorite sex scene in this book is, is when. He's saying like all the don'ts. Yes, like, I don't love that do scene. that. Don't oh, do that. Yes. Don't do that. And she does it because yeah. that's like their little game. I was like, okay, I'm here for this. You guys are having fun. I'm having yeah. fun. This is fun. <laughs> that was such. A, that was a good sex scene. All the don'ts yeah. and the. I dudes love that and then, scene. That's and then so when, when he mentions "Don't love me," and she's like, "Too late." And he's yeah. like, "Don't say yeah. it." She's like, "I love you. I love you so much. Oh, I love that." And That's especially, really like, the progression of him saying, don't kiss me, because that was one of his rules. It was like, do not kiss me. But in this instance, it's like you see the progression of his character because he's actually yeah. asking for it. Yeah. So you see that he's finally moved on. Plus, I mean, it was so heartbreaking when you learn that the rules weren't his to begin with, that that was the rules I that know. the other girl had put in, put in place. Annabelle. Yeah. Fuck her. How did you feel at the end when she's like sort of redeemed slash not quiet? Like you just at the ball when she greets them and you kind of get the feeling that she's apologizing in like the weirdest way possible. Like I was just like, no, bitch, bye. (laughs) Um, Okay, for her character, like as much as I can call her a bitch, realistically speaking, she was a young girl, very sheltered in life. And then next thing you know, you see like your fiance of two years, like, coming back like quote-unquote monstrous I mean like I don't know I mean like I could see her side of things but also you don't have to get you know what she did you don't have to get petty about it she did get petty about it which she did um at the theater with Emma but like do you like because like I started seeing it the way she said it too but then obviously not we know Ash we know that he really just wanted to do this for her for Emma like you know give her a nice beautiful dress give her like a night out let her be seen but like he chose red (laughs) and like I don't know if it's because she looks great in red but that like she like she told him she was wearing a bright red dress the night that you know her life got my theory is about that because i thought about it too about the red dress my theory is that isn't that the color of the dress she wore when she went to see that guy the first time she wore a red dress and because i was thinking i wonder if that's his way of like reshaping that night for her and giving her a good night spent in a red dress and like a good memory attached to a red dress as opposed to a night where she was essentially like asked to have sex with someone when she expected like a proposal you know what I mean so when she was used essentially um I I I kind of thought that was what he was doing so that was him reclaiming her red dress I mean that's my theory that the book doesn't say so but I was like you know what that's my canon I think (laughs) yeah you read between the lines but it kind of went to shit though because it's stupid it did yeah Yeah. but not really that's when he decided to kiss her and, like, confess yeah. that he really cares about her and that he was selfish in wanting to marry her because he wanted her. And then we also got there at night in the in. weird, nasty inn. Yeah. What's his, is it, was his name Trevor? 
Oh, I love Trevor. Oh, I, I love Trevor. Trevor. So Trevor the menace, and Ash the together. I would have taken a whole book of just those two. Yeah. Like, I just, their banter and, like, how Ash just shuts it down so quick, but he still lets Trevor walk around him and, like, walk behind yeah. him. And, and like, how, how, how he's, like... Oh, Trevor, you're such a menace. And then Trevor's like, oh my God, that's my name, the menace. <laughs> I just love that. Like, he said it as if, like. And then he comes up with a slogan. Yeah. And then, like, he turns to Emma, and then was it like, you've been menaced? Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. It was just so, like, I can just envision it. I'm like, how is Emma not dying of laughter? Yeah. Like, this kid is so that was funny. So cute. Trevor was so cute. He I was. have a question. Yes. Um, when do you think Ash's feelings started to change towards Emma? <laughs> Page one. <laughs> you think it was page one? That boy fell and fell hard. I I think he fell yeah. pretty much right away. Yeah. But he didn't like acknowledge no, it course. until of later course. on, obviously. Yeah. Like But yeah, I mean she did too. Like I feel like you started seeing their love and or affection for each other pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it just took them a little while. But, like, even then, like I'm saying, like, this book doesn't have much of a plot. Like, yeah. the climax, if you will, or, like, the big conflict Was at the end own. is, like, <laughs> resolved within, like, two paragraphs and that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, they declare their love for each other pretty you know, pretty quickly. And then you, I I was thinking, oh, like, this is not going to go down well. Like, one of them is going to, yeah, like, reject it or something. I don't know. Like, I was expecting some drama and angst here. But it's really not the book of angst. <laughs> it's, no. It's really it not. It really, I mean. They had their misunderstanding. It's really weird. But, the, like, the way Tessa Dare wrote things, I still felt the angst. Really? Like, I think it was, like, the whole no kissing or, like, um, him always pulling back and just like the situations he would put them like both of them mm-hmm. in but like I kind of felt the angst because like you know Emma wanted more and you know that he also wanted more mm-hmm. but like I don't know I felt the angst I just like I don't know the way it was written I felt angst okay back to that first sex scene <laughs> <laughs> go I think it's very like successful sex scene no the 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 f- very very first one where he he they don't do anything um oh he just stumbles about yeah Yeah. okay i think it's very interesting and telling of his character how she says please and like right away he thinks there's no way in hell that she's saying please because she wants more because she wants me she desires me but rather of course she's saying please as in like please stop i can't bear this um Mm -hmm. i thought that was very telling of like his character and his feelings towards himself of like there's absolutely no mm. way that she could ever desire exactly. me that for me like it's part of my like the monster that I have of the story so I don't want to get too into it right now but like yeah he just like I feel like he makes up his mind about people and like what they think of him. want in life before yeah what they think of him before you know they have a chance to prove him wrong like he expected her to be like re- like disgusted by him so, like, he took her words and actions as disgust. And then just to make sure, he then went on a walk at night knowing that he would find some kids that would be terrified of him just to confirm that mm-hmm. in his own mind of, like, okay, yeah. yes, I'm actually disgusting. Like, that is yeah. deep. <laughs> like, poor guy. Like, yeah. I just, I feel like he's the, 
the embodiment of like self-sabotage because Mm -hmm. because yeah even by the point in the book where he has convinced himself that she actually wants him he's like but she shouldn't you know what i mean like it's kind of it switches (laughs) to something else of like okay well she desires me but like she shouldn't actually like that's this is a bad thing you shouldn't want me so it's just yeah you like can't let that go of he yeah he really he can't. can't and i think it's just like it's been years of like build up and like yeah. you know years of being alone that it's just like he can't possibly fathom someone wanting to be with him and wanting to spend their life with him he just sees it as like she deserves better mm-hmm. like he can't he won't be her equal at all in terms of looks uh, like i mean yeah his scarring was bad but he never gave himself a chance he really yeah. didn't and that breaks my heart but yeah. yeah and i have a quote here um because remember that one sex scene where it's a don't 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 mm-hmm. oh yeah um i feel like it's kind of a callback to at one point in the book he says because she starts caring for him and says so mm-hmm. and he says stop he silently pleased don't do that don't come any closer don't ask about my wound don't care a better man would have been grateful for such sweet concern and a part of him was grateful a part of him wanted to fall at her feet and weep but that bitter scarred other half of his soul couldn't stomach her pity the devil in him would lash out at her in some unthinking unforgivable way so i just think it's it's interesting how the don'ts come back but this time around it's like in a healed happy way like a yeah healthy way of just like it's yeah i don't know i thought that was like a nice shift like a nice progression of of beliefs and and outlook mm-hmm. and like i think going back to like the whole like idea of like him being seen as like the devil i feel like in relation like in old like he always talked about her and her goodness and her light and, like, he, like, it's hard to explain, but, like, she's the goodness, and, like, he always refers to himself as, like, the monster or the demon. Um, and, the like, obviously, that's just upon his lack of self-love. Exactly. And, like, even, I have a quote. So, this is, like, I think she was trying to pull down the drapes. Mm-hmm. And then um, he, so, a waterfall of blue velvet rushed to the floor. The room flooded with sunlight. Ash caught the ghost of his reflection in the windowpane. What a picture. Emma descending from the heavens above him on a cloud of muslin, and him, the monster, lurking beneath. And, like, that quote just stuck with me because it's, like, he literally sees himself as, like, this grotesque, demon-esque, like, demon-esque? Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Monster. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, he sees her as, like, this angel, as, like, this, his savior. And while, like, I guess she was his savior in some sorts, like, the way he, like, put her on a pedestal at the beginning of the story... I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, like, obviously, like, that kind of, like, changed as the story progressed. Like, she was no longer, like, this unattainable angel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, his lack of self-love, man, really made him, like, see himself as a monster. Yeah. When she realizes that he shaves and then, because, like, she's like, oh, that must hurt. Like, I just loved that little detail of, like, her realizing that he shaves for her benefit, you know, when he goes down on her. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. she realizes yeah. that it doesn't hurt. Because we know he loves doing that. Yeah, but, like, her, her realization of, like, oh, he really does that for me, and that actually probably causes him pain because of the scars, but he does it, yeah. and he, he, he never complains, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, oh, that's cute. That's actually really cute. How did you, um, how did you girls feel about his first, I guess, unveiling of sorts? Like, you know, he kept talking about how they need to have sex in the dark. Yeah. Like, he's, like, she's never supposed to see him in the light. But then, obviously, her, and I believe it was Alex going around the house trying the to change clocks, all the clocks. Yeah. And they finally see him. And Emma finally sees him, you know, uncovered. What are your thoughts on, like, that whole situation? It it happened a lot quicker in the book than I would have thought. thought. Like, I really, really was expecting. Well, I mean, I don't know. Okay. Here's the thing. This book is very, very similar to The Beast of Beza. Is it really? Yes, it's I was picking almost up on exactly the same plot and almost exactly the same characters. Like I was kind of mind blown by that. Um, yeah. So in the Beast of Bezek, like the unveiling, as you call it, happens at the very, very end of the novel. Yeah. So I guess that's why unconsciously I was kind of thinking it would happen later on, but it really doesn't. Like maybe for fifty percent of the book or so, and then from then on, it's like actually I see all of you and I like all of you type thing mm-hmm. um did you have any thoughts on that S? no not really I mean <laughs> I mean it happened I thought it was <laughs> that, I thought that scene was funny because both her and her friend were stuck in the room and I just kept thinking like how the fuck are they gonna get the friend yeah, out of there yeah, the friend. he's undressing yeah. the friend's gonna yeah. see his dingling you know that's what when I was listening to that to that <laughs> Can I just say that I think it's very funny that these men who are like half disfigured always have the greatest ass you could possibly yes. think of. <laughs> it's always mentioned. It's like, oh, he's half disfigured, yes. but his ass though. <laughs> That's a good yeah. ass. It's the same. And like, thing. I love how she names the cat after his yeah. ass. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was the same with Thane in Beast of Bezik. I'm like, this is a trend, clearly. Like, when you have a disfigured hero, he must, he must have the greatest ass you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty I, sure, yeah, Zadist, Zadist in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series, I'm pretty sure he had a great we'll ass, see. too, once he filled out. See? I mean, I think it's just a thing. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. <laughs> We love a good ass. <laughs> but um, I do like that um, following that scene in particular where she finally sees his body, I love mm-hmm. how Emma knows how important and like makes a point of asserting how she's, she desires his body specifically yeah like she makes a point of making it clear to him i love you but i also desire your body as it is like i love how she did that like she doesn't really mention like oh i know he needs to hear this probably but she just does Mm -hmm. it because it's like she just knows he needs to hear that i don't know i just i like that about her how she's just so determined and assertive of like what she wants what she likes and isn't afraid to say it and like somehow is very um attuned to like what people need 
You know, she's like that with the girl yeah. that needed her help. She's like that with Ash. You know, she's just, she's like a kind soul, really. Just. Yeah, she's such a kind soul. And like, I think for that, I think it's this book really, like, it really focused on self love and like him not loving himself enough to be seen as deserving of it. Like, he honestly didn't love himself at all. He had not even one ounce of self-love which I think is a little bit different than the Beast of Bezik because while that story was more of like their romance building this one she loved him quite early in the Duchess deal she loved him quite early and I think the readers obviously knew that but I think it's this his inner struggle of like not believing that she could love him and not believing that she could want him I think was the main conflict of the story not them loving each other because pretty early on they both loved each other but like he needed to realize that he deserves that love yeah plus it's it was important that she prove to him or show him not necessarily prove but show him that she like she doesn't find him disgusting and she isn't simply tolerating his affections because i think the word tolerating is important here because He's like, okay, well, you don't find me disgusting, but maybe you're just with me because you have to. And I think there's a part Mm -hmm. in the book later on where he kind of puts into question her affection for him. Like he kind of, there's a shift and he's like, oh, well, maybe actually all of this was just because you had like a, it was just like a means to an end type thing. So I think it was important for him to know also that it wasn't just her tolerating him, but actually loving him and like being attracted physically attracted to him also yeah and it felt like he was waiting for that like aha like i knew it like he wanted yeah yeah he wanted like to prove her would it be like prove her wrong i guess yeah like prove that she was lying yeah like like i knew it like and he's like i'm not even mad like waiting for the other shoe to drop oh breaks my heart and like it's so heartbreaking because like she yeah. loved him. And, like, he was so lovable. Even his butler, Khan, like, treated him like a son. Like, he I loved, loved that guy so much. And, like, I just love yeah. Khan and him, like, his yeah. relationship. I just think they were so great together. He was great. Yeah, he was a great character. I love a butler that is absolutely shameless because <laughs> you have, like, two types of butlers in historical romance. You have, like, the butler that's just so rigid and, like, never talks and just does whatever and he's kind of like a stick figure in the background Mm -hmm. but then you have the (laughs) butler who's like absolutely shameless and will tell it like it is and they're just so (laughs) great because you're like they're absolutely disrespecting authority and you're just like yes you're the greatest (laughs) and he was like when Khan was trying to get um ash to see reason close to the end of the story and like get him to go to the ball I was dying every time like he kept pelting a cricket ball. <laughs> at like, him, this like, guy. directly at him. <laughs> yeah, and even like hit him in the yeah, gut, yeah. I think. And yeah. I was just like, in the t- in come the thigh, on, man. Yeah. Yeah, that That's was great. great. It was so great. Another thing that I adore in romance, um, especially historical, because I feel like there's like, an, I mean, I do love that in contemporary too, but a scene where... With the hero or the heroine undresses their love interests, but not in a sexual manner, in like a taking care of you type of 
way like because the love interest mm. can't do yeah. it at the moment like some you know i don't know they're sick or they're not feeling well or they're passed out or what i mean not passed yeah. out in a gross way but like in the something happened and you know their their clothes yeah. are dirty or whatever marge we get it anyways <laughs> we get it i love that i yeah. love that and he does that to her in this novel and i was like oh that's so cute because it's just it's it's i love taking care okay i just love people taking care of each other because like yes the sex is great yes we all need it in the books but I also think there's just something about affection and and care that's also so it just speaks to me on like another level yeah it's like the next level of intimacy I feel like it's just like I don't know it's like you're putting your life in someone's hands clearly and it's just like, yeah, the way he took care of her and like made sure, like she you know the bed, the nasty like bed bug written bed, whatever, was covered with his top coat, and like he made sure like the silk side was up so she would you know be you know on something soft, and it's just like just the overall scene. I just it was a beautiful thing to read because it shows that it's not just about the uses of the body but rather mm-hmm. like the well-being yes. of the body like you actually care about that mm-hmm. and not just like oh you're someone i like to fuck like it's mm-hmm. actually like you're someone i like to take care of because you're more important yeah. to me than myself yeah. sometimes you know what i mean yes. yeah and if- i have a quote about that oh. what, what do you want to say as no i just said that it's always the best when it's like the grumpy broody characters yes of course and then they, mm-hmm. of course they show their little caring moments and it's always the best yeah they were really um the grumpy and sunshine trope they are <laughs> they kind of are um the quote is yeah. uh you're wet and you are cold you don't like the, you you don't like being cold therefore i despise you being cold i would go about <laughs> murdering raindrops and setting fire to the clouds but that would take slightly more than an hour perhaps even two <laughs> just love that yeah <laughs> it was always so funny he uh, had his, he had a lot of funny moments he did he did. I think it was really interesting how his disgust of himself, I guess, also played into his future relationship or his lack of relationship with his future son, his future kids, like how it even shaped how he saw himself as like a future father. Um I have a quote about that because I have a lot of quotes today, apparently. I'm sorry about that. Um, But yeah, so his fear of not measuring up to his father was interesting to me because he had a great father and he was just like, because of what happened to me, I could never be a great father because my kid would obviously be afraid of me. Stupid. (laughs) Idiot. Um, so he says, or like in his, in his thoughts, he says, Ash's son could never admire him the way Ash had worshipped his, his own father. His father had been unfailingly wise, good-natured, and patient, not ill-tempered and bitter as Ash had become. His father had been strong, able to lift his son onto his shoulders without wincing. His father had processed had possessed a handsome noble face a face that had never failed to make ash feel protected and secure and if ash couldn't give his son that bone deep feeling of safety it was better that he stay away yeah no i just think it goes back to like his lack of self-love and if you want we can get into the monster but i mean 
I mean, we can we can That's go what into it comes the monster. Let's just go into the monster. <laughs> so we're edging it from since the beginning and not going into it. So let's go into it. What's the monster of the story, Evs? <sighs> the monster is. I don't want to say like the fear of rejection for Ash. Can we say rejection? I think so. The fear of rejection of yeah. the fear of not being wanted. I feel like he can. He's like a really yeah. relatable character in the sense that. He was so hard on himself that us as humans, mm-hmm. we're so hard on ourselves, you know? Exactly. I'm so hard on myself. It's a very yeah. relatable thing. Okay, I think for once it's Ash himself. Like, obviously not, like, physically, but, like, mentally he is the monster. Um, yeah, sure, like, society doesn't help with, you know, treating him or looking at him as something other. And, like, you know, getting scared and things like that. But I think he, as I said before, like, he's made up his mind about people before they had a chance to prove him wrong. And, like, he pushed everyone away. Like, his friends that actually wanted to stay his friends, he pushed them all away because he didn't think he was deserving. And, like, he didn't love himself. Like, I think it just comes down to self-love. Like, it's something that we all struggle with, you know. Like, he had to love himself before the monster could stop, you know, obstructing his happiness. And, like, the monster in itself was, you know, the lack of self-love, at least in my head. So, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Emma actually says something interesting about rejection at one point. She says, it's not pity or distaste that worries you. You're not afraid of rejection. You welcome it. But if you're seen for, for everything you are, the strengths and the flaws, the beauty and the scars, you might have to believe you're wanted loved he didn't want to believe that's what he fears being wanted or believing that that might be possible because to him it's not so it's not necessarily rejection because that's kind of true like he goes out at night hoping to see kids like scream seeing seeing draw back in fear Yeah. yeah he he didn't love himself to want to do better and like do better and this caused him um to think that people could do better than him. Like, he honestly thought Emma could have done 10 times better than, you know, settling for him. And, like, he tried pushing Emma away numerous times, but, like, if she wasn't so strong and sound-minded, like, you know, she probably would have been gone a long time ago, but, like, she fought for him and, like, was his champion before he could be one himself. And I think, yeah, it comes back down to, you know, letting yourself realize that I'm actually a great person. Like, I'm lovable. I can be loved. I can love people, and yeah, and I think even when he finally looked himself in the mirror, I think it was, like, the last chapter of the book, like, he said himself, like, it wasn't as bad as he made up in his mind. I think in his head, he built up this monstrous, like, being, and, like, he, I have a quote. I have it saved. Okay, so, (laughs) um, he hadn't viewed himself in a mirror for more than a year. It actually wasn't that bad. Well, the scars looked bad. That wasn't in question, but he'd grown used to the fact by now, and he felt a bit stupid for avoiding his own reflection all this time. It wasn't as though he could change it. So at the end of the book, he finally accepted what he looked like, and he realized, hey, maybe it's not that bad. Plus, like, in the quote, it says he hadn't seen his face in a year. So the monster is really the concept or the vision that he had of himself not so much himself but what he the construct in his own mind of what he looked like because he didn't know he's never seen himself since the accident like uh, 
Yeah, he would cover mirrors and yeah. like not have any mirrors. So it's not him, but rather him. what he's imagined himself to look like. Exactly. As for Emma, well, I mean, I think it's clear that again, unsurprisingly, it's the women in these books that get punished for <laughs> men using them or manipulating yep. them or, you know, deflowering them. <laughs> It's always the women, huh? But um, I think part of the... Mo- I think the monster is more subtle with Emma. And I think it has to do with her father. Um, mm. It was really interesting, the scene where Davina fin- finally is about to admit to her father that she's pregnant. And, and yes. Emma realizes, like, I imposed upon her situation my own situation. Like, I thought that he would obviously react the same way that my father did. I mean, Emma wasn't pregnant, but, you know, she was ruined. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, her, like, the fact that she immediately assumed that what would, like, it what happened to her would ha- would ha- would um happen to Davina? Yeah, and turns out it wasn't. Like I just I thought there was something in there of like her monster. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think that's a very like valid point. Um, because her obviously her father's love was conditional. Um, and he wasn't he was a shit father. Um, and like obviously that made her look at look for love in the wrong places because I remember they also talked about um. Of Robert and like um he apparently was only using her for something and then obviously Ash thinks that thinks of himself as like a wrong place for her to look for for love but I yeah I just think it comes down to like her dad just not being a dad and like expecting as you said the same from Davina's dad and like when she finally sees she's been wrong and like she was about to like literally take this girl like, to the country, because she thought that she feared her father, but in reality, she was just scared of worrying her dad and disappointing him, and, like, that also caused a rift in her and Ash's relationship, because he thought at that point that she was only with him, you know, to get a house in the countryside, um, but yeah, so yeah, I think it did play a big part in her life and the way she viewed people. What do you guys think about her not forgiving her father when he came to look Oh, that's fine. She lost the toe because yeah. of her dad. Girl, yes. The toe. Yeah. <laughs> the missing toe. I was like, that's so random, but also funny. But like, No, but it's like, it's just so sad. Yeah. If you look deeper, it's like she was forced to walk. Obviously, she didn't have the proper boots. She didn't have the proper, you know, coat. She literally got frostbite on her toe in the middle of winter because her dad kicked her out, didn't even give her money, and like forced, like she was forced to walk, like to London. She was forced to walk. And, like, that's so heartbreaking. Did I understand correctly that she had sort of a fear of the cold because of that? She got a fear during that time, her walk. But, like, when they're stuck in because the house of everything. and it's cold, doesn't she, like, start shaking but out of fear? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. related to the trauma of having gotten, like, frostbite? Yeah. Okay. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, that's, she developed that during yeah. her walk to London, yeah. I think. That whole situation. So I think maybe down the line she could forgive him. But right now when he came, just because the devil spoke to him, which obviously was was Ash. (laughs) Like he wasn't apologizing for the right reason. So it's still a selfish reason. 
If Ash didn't show up at his window, he would never have found Emma to apologize. I think I was, I I mean, I was glad that she didn't forgive him. I think it just shows that, you know, because she said that she used to look for love in the wrong places. And I think that her father Mm -hmm. is the wrong places. And so for her to go, nah, actually, I don't want you in my life was kind of, you know, it illustrates how she's moved on from that like she doesn't need to be looking for love in the wrong places now because she has love in the right places she don't need no father exactly she got a daddy (laughs) 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 i made the worst joke bravo (laughs) that was great (laughs) oh lord god's gonna smite me (laughs) (laughs) that should be the title of the episode you don't need no father but you got a daddy daddy. into like the next thing but literally I was just gonna ask S how did you feel about her not forgiving her father no the same your same response as you she lost the fucking toe (laughs) so no what did what did what did Ash call him Uh, a poisonous a bunch back toad (laughs) and insulted his career insults were amazing I love it that whole part was so funny yeah there was how did you guys feel about that scene though when he literally like got up out of bed and like left emma as she was sleeping and like goes to like her dad's house in the countryside yeah. and pretends he's the devil i mean hilarious i love what that part. can i say yeah and then like he tells her or she finds out and he's sure that she's gonna be furious but then she kisses him like thank you yeah <laughs> i also love the scene where he says Christ, and she's like, "That's not in Shakespeare." And he he quotes like the page yeah. act, yeah. <laughs> like like line. This man quotes Shakespeare. I love it. He really was a good character. He said something else too, and then like he did again, like the same like yeah. witch play, yeah. and then the act and the scene and all that. He's just so yeah. funny. Anyway, <laughs> and there's us just like nodding her head. <laughs> um, anything else? Isn't it fucked up the this the scene where he tells her how like dukes essentially can't commit any crimes but I mean they can but they won't be persecuted yeah. for him like they like I was just like this is so fucked up but like I'm sure that's how it worked you know like a duke can pretty much do anything short of murder yeah and get off just fine it's very interesting how they're above the law. Yeah. Like, I really want... But he did get arrested, huh? right? He did mm-hmm. get captured. He did get captured. Yes, because yeah. they thought he was the monster of Mayfair, and then they didn't believe that he was a duke, so... But, like, if they knew offhand, yeah. like, right off the bat, sorry, that he was a duke, he would not have been arrested. He wouldn't have. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, he says the only thing that would get get him arrested is murder. These assholes could do pretty much <laughs> anything... And, like, yes. get away with it. Yep. That... How did you feel, though, Yes. at the end yeah. when he... I think it was in the epilogue. He finally decided to out himself and, like, say that he was the monster of Mayfair. Do you think that was necessary? Or do you think, you know, it could have been not done? What do you think, us? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean, need to have thoughts! I, 
<laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think it was a big deal. I mean, he could have done with saying it or not. I don't know. I feel like it was necessary, if only because it had been mentioned of him outing, mm-hmm. outing himself. But yeah, I also would have liked for this like mystical figure to keep on going and be passed down to Trevor. <laughs> like, but yeah. Trevor did take it over. Well, so then sure, what happened like, when Trevor? The mystery didn't like continue on. But what in case Trevor was like, you know what? I'm out, like out at the night, like just doing my thing. And the next thing you know, he reads the newspaper and he's like, oh well, there you go. <laughs> What happens then? Well, he goes Poor back guys, to being like, the menace. all dressed to the nines. He goes back to being the menace want, of Mayfair. I want Trevor to get a book. No? He doesn't get one? No. Oh, he's too little. I wanted them to adopt him, though. Do you but think then he, he said he had a great family. Yeah. Do you think that's true? I was like, is he kidding right oh. now? Or is he being for real? Like, for real, he has a good family. I don't know. I thought he was homeless. Wasn't he, like, a little homeless kid? It felt like a setup in some ways. Yeah. Maybe, maybe she'll decide to give him a book later on in another series. I just love Trevor. Can I adopt him? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Ash mention something like, um, like tells him like not to curse anymore? That like he needs he's gonna become a gentleman or something like yeah. that. Yeah. If he wants to become a gentleman. So I don't know. I felt like that hinted at something like he's gonna like take him under his wing and. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's because I've just read so many historical romance, but I expected him to take him under his wing and, like, perhaps even adopt him. Just because it's, like, the, I, I like, I, I expected for it to come out that Trevor actually doesn't have a family because that's just so typical of historical romance. And then the rich duke takes under his wing, the, or, like, the rich man, whatever, in historical romance, uh, takes under his wing, like, the orphan boy and, like, makes him his heir or whatever, like... That's kind of a trope. So I expected that, but that didn't happen. No, I... Because how else was he allowed out late at night if he's, like, this big... Like, he has a, you know, a big house and, like... Unless he sneaks out, but at 12 or... Yeah. 11 or 12. I don't know how old he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, 12. Yeah. It's just, like, really interesting that he was allowed out for so long and, like, he always knew when to show up. And, like, he kept saying, like, you know, he knows the ins and outs of, like, the alleyways. Like, he knows things. And, like, that's how he knew to go to the the prison to break, what's his name, Ash out of prison. Because he knew, because he's been listening. I don't know. I just feel like as a little boy of, you know, the rich ton, like, he's not from the ton, but, like, of the rich families in Mayfair, it's very curious as to how he knew all that. So, I hope it wasn't the deleted scenes that, you know, Ash and Emma adopted him, but... What do you mean deleted scenes? In my head. Oh, okay. I thought she, <laughs> oh. I thought like Tessa Dare had said scenes? like, there's deleted scenes for this book. No, <laughs> I mean like in her, in my head, but also in Tessa's head, you know, she has deleted scenes up in there. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I feel like you know something, Seth, and you don't want to tell us. How the heck will I know anything? I don't. We're always suspicious. Yeah, you see, this is why next book, it's not going to be one that I've read before. <laughs> What is next book? Don't even know. So we're off to a rough start. <laughs> We've been off to so many rough starts <laughs> for so long. Yes. I mean, actually, it started off great. And then I don't know what happened, but choosing books for a podcast is way harder than it seems. 
Especially, as you said, we're all mood readers, so. Yeah. I don't know how people pick books before they've read them. <laughs> like, no, but, but, well, I mean, I, because, like, how do you know you're going to like it? And then if you don't like it, why would you make an episode on it? Like, that's just not how we work. Over here at Romance yeah. and the Monsters, yeah. we don't, you know, put out episodes about books we didn't like, so. Yeah, because, like, I don't want to ever shut on a book because yeah. so many, like, so many hours go into writing a book and, like, all that stuff. I would never want to talk about how much I didn't like a book on an episode. Yeah. We talk about it in private conversations, though. <laughs> That's a whole other story. That's a whole other. <laughs> Tune in for Romance and the Monsters After Dark. <laughs> That's where all the tea is. No. <laughs> in, uh, in our deleted scenes in my head. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Romance and the Monsters. I hope you liked it. Um, if you read the book, I hope you liked it. You can find us on social media at uh, the RTM Pod on Twitter or Romance of the Monsters podcast uh, on Gmail. Oh, no, on Gmail, on Instagram. Also, Romance in the Monsters podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. Um, but you can also find me at uh, Foes and Lovers on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me, S, on Twitter and Instagram at But This Book. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Pearls with Woes. See you next week, people. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, Goodbye. man. These aren't getting any better. <laughs> no. Nope.